In Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Listen to that statement for just a moment. Death and life. That's pretty powerful. That's, that's a great extreme. And God says it's all contained. All of that is contained in the power of the tongue. In Mark chapter number 11, Jesus is walking along and he sees a fig tree. And the fig tree does not have any figs on it. And so he speaks to the tree and he curses the tree and says, No longer will you bear fruit. And the disciples heard what he said, and we pick it up in Mark 11, verse 20, and it says, Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter, remembering to him, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. The miracle was not that the tree died. The miracle was in the fact that it died overnight. It was suddenly. It was within 24 hours. Jesus spoke one day and it happened the very next day. And so Jesus taught them and spoke to them. And here's what he said, because he continues to teach them. And he says, in verse number 22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. And some translations say it like this, have the God kind of faith. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. They were amazed at the tree, at the little fig tree, probably about two and a half, three feet tall. They were amazed that Jesus could speak, and overnight, something would happen. And Jesus says to them, you're amazed at that. Well, listen, when you have the God kind of faith, and then he takes their eyes off of the tree, and in the distance, there is the largest thing on earth. It's called a mountain. You don't get any bigger or any higher. And he takes their eyes off of a tree and he puts their eyes onto a mountain off in the distance. And he says, hey, when you have the God kind of faith, you can speak to a mountain and say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. That's the power of your words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus came to restore what Adam had lost. What did Adam lose? Adam lost dominion. Yes, but he also lost the power, the creative power of his words. Jesus came to restore what was stolen. 
Now, if you go over to Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to prove this to you because in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says that God gave specific instructions to Adam of how to live. He had created him and he said to Adam, Adam, you will have dominion. But here's how that was walked out. The Bible says that God created Adam and then he created a place for Adam to live, for Adam to dwell. That place that we know of today is called Eden. And so God created man and then God created the place for man. And in verse number 15 of chapter 2, it says God placed Adam in the garden for him to tend it and to keep it. But watch what happened. And let's go to Genesis chapter 2. And starting in verse number 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Listen to this last sentence. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that's what its name was. That was its name. Whatever Adam called it, that's what it was. Why do my children turn around when I call their name? Most of the time. Why is that? Why is that? Because that's what I called them. I chose their name. My wife and I, we decided this will be their name. And so we call them that. And when we call their name, they respond. Adam had the responsibility to name every animal. A giraffe would come by without a name. And he said, you are now called a giraffe. Whatever, listen to this. This is what the word of God says. Whatever Adam called it, that's what it was. That's Adam's responsibility. That's how he maintained the garden. That's how he tended and kept the garden. God said to Adam, before he ever formed the animals, you are going to be in this garden, you're going to tend it, and you're going to keep it. He did not give him a shovel. He didn't give him a rake. There was no fertilizer. There was no equipment. How was Adam supposed to tend and keep the garden? With words. With words. God intended that the ground respond to Adam's voice. He never intended that the ground respond to Adam's hand. That's why he didn't give him any equipment. That's why there was nothing in his hand. He never handed Adam anything. He simply gave him a voice. And whatever Adam said, that's what happened. So that when Jesus, thousands of years later, walks by a tree, he says to the tree, you shall die, you shall not live, and the tree dies. And they're impressed But Jesus said, don't be impressed by that because you could say to a mountain be removed. The earth is to respond to your voice. But sin came in. 
When sin came in, in the very next chapter, God never cursed the man. He cursed what? The ground. The ground is cursed. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 3. Just flip over one, one page, one book. Genesis chapter 3, and starting in verse number 17, here's what it says. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, listen to this, in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. But that's not God's intent. Intended design. That's not how he created mankind. That's not how we're to have dominion. That's not how we're to rule and reign. And Jesus said, I'm here to restore what was lost. What was lost? The creative power of words. Hallelujah. That the earth would respond to your voice. That death and life truly are in the power of your tongue. That God has given us the faith to move. To move what? To move. Whatever needs to be moved. Hallelujah. God intended that the earth, obstacles, mountains, walls, boundaries, borders, huh? Anything that is hindering us be removed by words. Whatever we call it, that's what it is. And so God takes his people all on this journey, all throughout the word of God to try to help them, to try to teach them, okay, this is how you're to operate. God created with words. He formed the entire earth, everything that we know, everything that we see. He created it all with words. And so we're to speak, we're to stand up. Jesus on the bow of a ship facing wind and waves. He stands up and he speaks to those wind and he speaks to those waves and he says, peace be still. And everything calms down. And he turns to his disciples and what does he say to them? Where is your faith? Not your dedication, not your tithe, not your church attendance. Come on now. He says to them, where's your faith? In other words, where are your words? Why didn't you do what I just did? Why are you speaking that we're going to perish? Why are you talking death? Why are you talking lack? Why are you talking poverty? Why are you talking sickness? Why are you talking defeat? Why are you saying that? Where is your faith? And so God takes us on this journey through the word of God and he gets to a place where he takes three million Israelites from bondage. And watch what he does. If you're in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 20, he grabs a guy by the name of Moses and he says, Moses, I want to take you on this faith journey. I want to teach you about how I operate. I want to talk to you. I want to to use you as an example And in Numbers chapter 20, the children of Israel, it's hot, and and there's no water, and they begin to complain. 
And they said, why, Moses? Why did you bring us out here to die? There's no water. We're dying of thirst. What are you going to do about it? And so Moses talks to God, and God talks back to Moses. And here's what God says to Moses in Genesis, I mean, Numbers chapter 20, verse number 7. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, spoke to Moses, said, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, and gather the congregation together. And what? Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water, and thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, listen to what Moses does, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hands and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. What did God say to Moses? God said, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. We're going to go on this faith journey. This is faith 101. This is is a lesson I want you to learn, and I want you to teach everybody. We're going to walk you through this this little exercise. It's It's called your faith. Now, I want you to show them that when you need to, you speak. Because the earth responds to your voice. And that rock, there's water on the other side of it. And if you just speak, the earth will respond. But that's not what Moses did. What did he do? First of all, he bows up. I mean, you know, I just kind of, and this is, I mean, it's almost humorous what happens. He bows up and he says, you rebels. And he grabs a stick. And him and his brother Aaron, and he says, must we, come on now, must we do this for you? And he grabs his stick, and he swings as hard as he can, and he hits this rock with everything that he got, and nothing happens. And sweat just starts to bead on his forehead. And God's up in heaven going, Moses, that's not what I told you to do. Huh? The Bible says he had to hit the rock twice. The first time, nothing happened. Why? Because God said, speak. It doesn't respond to your hand. It's not all about you, Moses. It's not all about your ability. It's not all about what you can do. It's not all about your talent, your resources, huh? Your skill level. That's not how faith operates. Faith operates through your voice. But in God's grace and mercy, when Moses hits it a second time, water comes forth. But that's not what God intended to have happen. And in fact, God is displeased with Moses. And because of his disobedience, he never walks into the promised land. Because Moses thought it was all about him. 
And God said, no, no, no. Faith is all about me. It's believing in me. It's trusting that I can do the impossible. It's using your voice and not your hand. It's not about your resources. It's not about your talent. If you are here today and you think your savings account is going to be the thing that's going to carry you through, listen, forget about it. If all your trust is in your, your job, your business, your education, your talent, your skill, if it's all about you, you're missing the whole point of faith. And one day you may hit a rock and nothing happens. And you may try to put your marriage back together and find that it just doesn't fit. You just can't do it. Huh? That was me 15 years ago. God, I can't. Why is it that I'm trying and nothing seems to work? And you can't put your family back together and you can't heal yourself. And you can't make enough money. Huh? And you can't cause your business to flourish and you... You can't cause these emotions to stop and you can't break that cycle of sin because it's not about you. That's not faith. Faith is speaking and believing, declaring, amen? Faith is using your voice. Faith is understanding that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I'll stand and I'll declare the promises of God. Not just anything. Listen, I'm not talking about you just saying, oh, whatever, I'll just talk about whatever. No, it's always within the pages of these books. We don't just declare anything over our life. We don't just, just make it up. We don't just say, well, God, I, I'd really like that, so can I have that? No, it has to be contained within the pages of these book, this book. It's these promises. It's what's in here. That's why it's so important for you to get this book on the inside of you. And you begin to speak it over your life. Amen. And whether it's a fig tree, a mountain, animals, a garden, a rock, the Bible promises us that when we speak, things have to respond. Why? Because it's his word and his promise in our mouth. One of the greatest quotes I've ever heard was given by the name, a man by the name of Reinhard Bonnke. And he said that God spoke to him. And here's what God said to him. God said, Reinhard, my word in your mouth is just as powerful as my word in my mouth. See, so many times we, we kind of wishing God would notice us. God, I'm down here. Hello. Come on now. Hello. I mean, just wailing and, and moving your hands out and just kind of, God, have you noticed that I'm in real trouble here? I mean, God, do something. And we're trying to just get God. If God would just show up, if he would just show up and speak, if God would just notice me, if God would just, just pay attention to what I'm going through. God, can't you see what's happening in my family, my health, my marriage? Can you, can you just, God, pay attention? God, if I could just get your attention. And God's saying, listen, I've given you all the promises. It's my word. You have it. Now begin to speak it over your life. It's the same as Jesus turning to his disciples and saying, where is your faith? 
Where are your words? Let me ask you this this morning. What are you speaking over your marriage? What are you speaking over your children? What are you speaking over your finances? What are you speaking over your health? What are you claiming? What are you declaring? What are you giving voice to? What are you blessing? What are you cursing? It's the same promise. It's all throughout the word of God. My wife and I will often catch ourselves, you know, because this is, how many of you know, this is a lifelong lesson. Some of you are still trying to process a lot of even what I'm saying. It's a lifelong lesson. It's something you have to constantly just begin to remind yourself, hey, I got to watch what I say. I have to guard it. And there's things sometimes we say and we have to catch ourselves and we kind of look at each other sometimes and go, is that what you want? Because that's what you're going to get. Huh? Whatever Adam called it, that's what it was. Jesus spoke and it happened. Huh? And he said, you can do the same thing. Not just to trees, not just to little fig trees, but to mountains. You can speak and things will begin to change. Hallelujah. I want to ask you this morning, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Maybe you're here today and you're, you're struggling with some things. I wanted to leave a little extra time to pray for people today. Because I, I read from Mark chapter number 11. And in Mark chapter number 11, the Bible says that Jesus said you can speak to mountains. How did mountains get there? Well, I can tell you, you didn't put them there. They're not your fault. Although there's some things that are your fault. There's some, there's some struggles that you're having. There's some, there's some things that, that you put there. And we'll talk about that as the series goes on. But mountains are just there. They're nobody's fault. How I many you know sometimes life just happens? Why did this happen? It's just a mountain. It's just this big, big mountain. But regardless of whose fault it is or who's to blame, it has to go. It has to be removed. Because if you just knew, listen to me for just a minute, if you just knew what was on the other side, you would speak to that mountain. You would stand and you would say, be removed.